This episode is brought to you by JScreen. Help prevent cancer and genetic diseases in your family. JScreen now offers CancerGen, a state-of-the-art test that analyzes the BRCA genes and over 60 other cancer susceptibility genes. This test can be life-saving. And JScreen's ReproGen test screens for over 200 genetic diseases such as Tay-Sachs and cystic fibrosis. Genetic testing for reproductive risk can save your baby's life. Both tests are done confidentially from the comfort of your home on saliva and telehealth genetic counseling is included. Visit jscreen.org to request your screening kit and claim $50 off either of these tests, Reprogen or CancerGen, with the code JLP50 at checkout at jscreen.org. Offer expires 12 2021 and applies to those residing in the U.S. This episode is brought to you by Meet to Marry. If you're sick of attracting the wrong people, wasting time on dead-end relationships, and wondering how other areas of your life can be so great while your dating life is so, well, uh, disappointing, then it's time to try a radically new approach to call in the loving, lasting, healthy relationship of your dreams. Start doing that today by signing up for the free masterclass, the five powerful shifts to quit attracting the wrong men and finally summon your soulmate at meettomary.com forward slash Jewish love masterclass. That's meettomary.com forward slash Jewish love masterclass. Jewish Money Matters, episode 204, Hani Wolchansky, leadership coach and CEO of Schools of Excellence. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters, the podcast where Jewish wisdom and spirituality meet your money and your business. Money is a means to serve God in this world with joy, to build a life that leaves an imprint way beyond our time in this world. I want you to discover the secrets to Jewish wealth, to gain practical and spiritual tools to break free from the shackles of financial worry, to design the joyful, rich life that your soul desires. Welcome to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, and I'm so glad you're here. Making decisions that have an impact on your mental well-being and consequently on your relationships. Living in complete alignment financially and otherwise with your values. This is what we're addressing today in Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Welcome to the show. Today, I have the one and only Hani Wolchansky, CEO of Schools of Excellence, leadership coach and master strategist, as I like to think of Hani. She shares with us what led her to move her family of six from New York to Florida in the middle of a pandemic prior to the mass exodus. How does one make a decision of such magnitude and consequence? The implications, not just financially speaking, but in terms of your family's culture. Even if a move is not in the books for you at the moment, I want you to pay close attention to the conversations and the type of questions that Hani challenges herself and her husband with to make decisions. Additionally, the strategic thinking that also comes with her being the breadwinner of the household and making that work for both her and her husband. Consistency, discipline, going against the grain when you know something is right for you, in this case, not just a move to Florida, but many years back, a decision to leave the world of teaching and embark on an entrepreneurial journey that unleashed a tremendous potential. This and more with the super brilliant Hani Wolchansky. (music) 
Lani Wolchanski, welcome back to the show. A new name, Jewish Money Matters. You're not a stranger to the show. You're a friend of the show. Welcome back. It's so good to have you. Thank you so much for having me back. And I'm excited to be here, Yael. I'm always, always, always up for a good conversation. You know, since you were last here, just to remind you and remind listeners who may have heard that episode, you were in the midst of this rebranding into Schools of Excellence. You are the CEO of, of Schools of Excellence. You're an early childhood leadership coach. Not long after that conversation, you and I got to sit together in Brooklyn, where you used to live, and talk all about life, work, family, all of that. And back then, I should say, you were in the midst of scaling. Like you were really working on scaling this business, which has since taken off. And perhaps we'll touch on that a little bit. But little did you and I know that a year to the date, pretty much, you would be at the epicenter of a pandemic and a health crisis in New York City. And you would make a really bold decision to physically pick up your family and move down to Florida. A move I've been following very closely and I've been like cheering from behind the Facebook space. Tell us what drove that big decision. Yeah. So anytime we make a big decision to move ourselves from, you know, a place of origin or even just the place where we grew up, there's so much kind of mental conversation that happens. And then there's a lot of kind of responsible decision making that needs to take place when you are part of a family unit. So if you're married and then you add children and then you add multiple children to the conversation, there are so many big decisions that have to be made when you're making the choice of uprooting your family. So it's not just, oh, you know, it's me and my husband, we're going to go uproot ourselves. We're picking up our children who were 10 at the, you know, 10 and nine and five and two and a half at the time. We're moving schools. We're moving cultures. We're changing so much of community. Like what, what are our children going to be seeing? What are they going to be hearing? Who are they going to be hanging out with? Who are our friends going to be? What is going to become culturally normal? All of these things change when you pick up and move. No one city is the same. There's a lot of sister cities in America um, or even around the world, but every single city has its unique dynamic. And so when you make a choice to say, we are moving somewhere, what you're really making a change is in a change in identity. I am no longer a New Yorker. I am no longer this person. We are now a family who does X. This is what we value now. This is what's important to us. This is what we're going to put our time and attention to. So I think it's important to understand that a move is not just moving from an apartment to a house, moving from New York to Florida. It's a complete transformation of identity. And when you understand that, you understand the implications of the choices that you're making because you're truly shifting your entire destiny by making that decision. I love how you address that because it it almost sounds like the way you work and what you teach, right? Because it really, I I didn't think about it, but I've moved many times in my life. And yes, it's it's really is a cultural shift. Like like you said, the things, the activities that we're going to be doing, the things that are going to be, our time is going to be spent doing so much is going to shift here. So what was it for you that you said, I have, because not everybody does this, Connie, especially you grew up in New York. I got to leave New York. It's very different. I've done it. Florida is very different from New York. Yeah. So Mayor and I have had these conversations for a while before even COVID happened around, you know, wanting more space, wanting a different quality of life, wanting a slower pace of life. But every time we sat in conversation, there was always like, but what about this? But the kids are already in school, but they already have friends, but we're, but our family lives here, but this is here, but our job is here, but we have insurance here, but, and all the, but, 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 
right? And so we, you just basically just continue to kick that decision down the road until there's a true crisis or something that really comes up. And it's like, okay, it's now or never, right? Like now we have to make the decision. And so COVID hit. And so we were in lockdown in New York in our thousand square foot apartment for about four weeks. Um, The kids were not allowed to leave the house. The playgrounds were shut. Like every single thing was shut. So I want you to imagine a thousand square feet with six human beings not leaving the house. There is no porch. There is no playground. There is no outdoors there are sirens playing consistently throughout all hours of the day um my children were growing up in a war zone for four weeks and so by the time passover hit so you know covid hit right you know around the perm holiday and so when pesach came around i was like mayor we're not staying here like it's just not happening we are getting out of here it's like where are we going i'm like i don't know but it's not here and i started googling airbnbs and seeing what we can rent for the holiday And so I found this place um, and I called them up and I was like, hey, I'm booking this for the next three weeks. And then I told me, I was like, by the way, we're going to New Jersey for a piece (laughs) of I already booked the place. Um, And so we booked this place. We packed everything up. We went to this Airbnb um, and we actually ended up staying there for nine weeks. Um, The kids were all virtual school anyway, so we didn't have to be in New York. And so we stayed in this really big house in New Jersey that had a huge front yard and a huge backyard. And we had a parking place and Mm. all of these different things of suburban life. And we started to really observe the differences in our family dynamics how the children were interacting with each other, our stress hormones and our stress levels that in our engagement with the children, our conversation after the kids were sleeping, you know, how exhausted we were, how not exhausted we were now, you know, um, mental space, all of these different things that take a massive shift simply from, I have a laundry room in that house. So laundry wasn't all over my dining room table like it was in New York, laundry was in the laundry room. These things sound silly, you might be laughing, but when you, don't have that kind of space and all of a sudden you do it truly impacts your mental well-being and that impacts your marriage it impacts your quality of life it impacts the relationships you have with your children and so that was the beginning of daily really nightly conversations that mayor and i were having with each other of we have to get out of new york like is this what we want for our family like do we want that consistent high stress level or do we want this what we have here right now because this is temporary right like we're renting this place mm-hmm. um so that was really the beginning of the conversations of like we need to get out like this this isn't a fit for the future of we- of how we want our children to be raised wow uh, i mean there there's so much here now what about the financial piece of this because you know obviously the numbers play a big role here. What were the kind of um, financial considerations and decisions and things that you had to have in place to make that move tangible? You know, you could be thinking about it, thinking about it, but like, you know, when push comes to shove, you were able to do it. Um, What were those things, the ducks and row that you felt like, okay, I have it? Yeah. So, I'm saying for a couple years before then, we were being very consistent about what we saved. We knew that we wanted to buy a house eventually. And so we were very consistent about every um, paycheck that came in, the percentage that went, you know, towards a house. And so it, it was something that we've already been planning for a very long time that eventually we want to purchase a home. We want to move. Um, so there was a lot of money sitting in a savings account for a very long time, over a decade, um, just accumulating there, waiting for when it would be time for us to make this move um so that was the first thing is that these decisions happen way before you can't say i'm moving and then you know have a quarter of a million dollars waiting for you to make that move um you really have to be accumulating that over a long period of time 
So um, that was the first thing. The other thing is, is I run an online business, right? And my business has always been completely remote. And so because I'm the main uh, primary breadwinner in our family, it wasn't like, oh, but where's mayor going to work? But where I'm going to work? How are we going to find a job here? It was, okay, we moved my business from here to here. We're changing the zip code. You know, we're changing that. No more New York state income tax. Bye. Love you. Never see you again. Very <laughs> excited about not doing that. And that, like, that was the transition, right? And so, yes, mayor needed to find a job, of course, but it it wasn't, if mayor doesn't have a job, we can't move. It, mm. it was, we have the financial means to make the move. And then it would be amazing if mayor finds a job and we have, you know, the extra cushioning that we need, of course, when a big move like this happens, financial stuff pop up all the time. Um, but it wasn't like, I can't move unless there's a job. Wow. Wow. That That is, that is so powerful. You know that I... Huge privilege. Huge. Huge privilege. But I... but. But I, we have to be, give you guys credit. Yes, it's a huge privilege, but it came with a lot of work. And you, one yes. thing that you don't know is that I very often use you in my classes with my students as an example, because you don't know, you may not be aware that you posted once a Facebook post. I may probably didn't comment. I don't know if I did, but I, I quote it very often. I say, I have a friend who just moved to Florida during the pandemic and she shared how she exercised the savings muscle because she knew she had a goal and she set up a system to fund that goal. And she said that there were some months, and that's you, honey, there were some months that you only could deposit $10, sometimes even $1, yet yeah. you and your husband stayed committed to doing that. Yeah. And this is the yeah. result. Yeah. And, and I think that's where the discipline comes in. You know, I just jumped off a coaching call with my clients and so many of them are struggling with like the discipline of staying consistent with their calendar, the discipline of staying consistent with, you know, boundaries that they have to uphold with parents or with staff or whatever it is. And discipline is, is really difficult. It's very hard to be self-disciplined. It's very difficult to tell yourself, no, you are not going to purchase mm -hmm. that because this is more important. You know, no, you're saying no to this, but you're saying yes to this. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, is really, really hard. It's very hard to be financially disciplined um, to say yes to the things that are important to you in the future more than in this, you know, specific moment. It's a lot of impulse control, right? It's really understanding um, how to make smart financial decisions for the future. So yes, you know, we crossed a huge financial milestone off our list and we purchased a house. Um, now we're setting other goals around, you know, how quickly can we pay off the mortgage? And what are we looking at when it comes to other financial, um, st like stable things, opportunities, like we're going to have a bar mitzvah in a year and a half, like that's a huge financial um, commitment. And so there's a lot of things that as your family grows and your kids get older, the expenses just continue to grow. They don't get smaller um, as your kids get bigger, <laughs> the expenses get bigger. Yeah. You know, you know, as you're talking about this word discipline, I, I, I often feel, um, and this is probably a generalization, but I do, I do think that we have, um, well, you and I come from an observant background and there definitely is that, that aspect of discipline, right? I see it in my children, right? As we're educating our children, they definitely have the discipline muscle more exercise than perhaps other children, which, you know, it's going to come handy in life. <laughs> I hope. Yes, I hope so too. 
So let's talk about the purchase of the house specifically, which you just mentioned, because I'm sure there were many people out there who probably thought you guys were crazy. You didn't mention that, but I suspect everyone thought we were crazy. I don't think anyone thought we were sane. Um, So, yeah. (laughs) And and, and then to add to the crazy, like, how are you going to leave your family? How are you going to leave everything? And, you know, what's going to be with your kids and all all of that? Um, There's, you know, the typical there's there's also the another more conservative approach to such a move that says, well, why don't you just rent for a little bit, you know, get yourself used to it, do a one year rental, don't commit to anything. And yet you went all in. Yeah. What what was what was behind that decision? Oh, my gosh, so many people have asked me this question. And it's it's so interesting, because I feel like every time my answer kind of takes a layer deeper, I think. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, okay, let me think about this a a layer deeper. So, you know, Mayor and I were actually talking about it once. Um, So there's a there's like a saying where like 40 days before the neshama comes down to this world, it's already decided who, you know, their shidduch is going to be, who they're going to marry. Um, so it's been plain, been plain in labas plain, right? Who's going to, who's going to marry you. So there's also wh- what, who, which house are you going to buy? So before the neshama comes down to this world, it's already decided which house is going to be your house. Wow. Um, so mayor often says like this was just decided like this was going to be our home and so there's there's so many reasons why we shouldn't have gotten it and why it should have fallen through and all these different stuff but the bottom line is it was destined to be ours Mm. Um, but i do want to talk about you know the concept of purchasing right away um so when you're in the middle of a global pandemic and there are so much uncertainty everyone wants to try to pick the safer route and so um categorically throughout our life we're taught that renting is safer right because then you could just pick up and move somewhere else right well i wasn't planning on picking up and moving anywhere else or moving back to brooklyn um when i left i was doing a one-way door i was leaving <laughs> Brooklyn. Um, I was not coming back to live in Brooklyn. I come back to visit, I come back to spend time, I come back for weddings. I was not making a move to come back. And so people are like, well, what if you're miserable? I'm like, well, what if I'm unbelievably happy? Wow. Like, why are we always asking, well, what if you're miserable? What if it doesn't work out? What if it does work out? Mm-hmm. You're so unbelievably blessed and happy. What if that happens, right? Why do we always think worst case scenario? And then I'm like, well, worst case scenario, let's say I'm so miserable, right? And can I be more miserable than I am right now? Hmm. Can I be that much unhappier than I am right now? No. Then anything is better than this, right? Anything is better than where I am right now. Because right now I'm in a terrible place right now. And I know that I have to get out of this, right? The other piece is, is that I knew there was a part of me that felt that there was going to be a giant exodus coming from New York. And I knew that it was going to come and I knew we were going to be from the pioneers because we moved in August, right? Pandemic was in March. We moved in August. And the bottom line is in November, people were buying houses without doing inspection, without anything. They were buying houses on cash. They were offering, you know, a half a million dollars more than the asking price. Mm -hmm. We bought the house for the asking price. You know, we were able to come before all the madness happened and close on the house properly without bidding wars, 80 people standing in line, all buying, you know, buying a house. Like, we bought it in a very traditional way, um, you know, where we put in money in escrow and, you know, we closed the deal and we met with the person, like everything associated with that. So there was a part of me, and this is completely from God, where he was like, listen, you got to get out. Like the craziness is coming, like go out, buy your house, right? <laughs> it's, yeah. it's no coincidence you and I are having this conversation on Parshas Lech Lecha. <laughs> I know, right? No. I want to your house, right? The other thing was, is that 
you know, we didn't originally see this house. Like this was completely out of our quote unquote budget of what we wanted to, you know, spend on a house. And the realtor kept showing us all these houses. I'm like, no, that's not it. That's not it. That's not it. And finally he shows us his house. He's like, listen, I know it's a little out of your price range, but I really feel like this is, you know, the forever home. Like, I feel like this is the house that like, that has everything that you want. And so I started scrolling through the pictures. I'm like, mayor, this is our house. 48 hours later, I put money in escrow. Mayor's like, are you insane? We didn't even see the house yet. Right on what, are you crazy? I'm like, mayor, that's our house. We can always back out. But once I put money in escrow, that's ours. He can't give it to anyone else now. That's mine, right? Because we put the money in there. And the realtor was like, you guys are crazy. You didn't see the house yet. I'm like, I don't care. This is my house. I know this is my house. Um... And then we came back, we came, you know, a couple of weeks later, we did a proper walkthrough. And then, you know, we started the official, you know, signing of the papers and doing the, you know, the lender and the mortgage and all of that kind of stuff. But the moment I saw the house, I'm like, this is mine. This is our house. This is it. I feel like this is a recurring theme in your life. Like when, <laughs> when you know, you know, honey. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I think it's, it's learning how to really trust that. Right. Like even when everyone like your father, your mother, your parents in law, your siblings are like, you are crazy rent. Like, what are you doing? It's a pandemic. Like, don't blow through. Like, that's crazy. You can't do that. Like, what if what if there's a housing bubble? What if it bursts? What I'm like, and what if it all works out? Mm -hmm. Why does everyone have to poo poo on my dreams? Sometimes it's better not to share them, by the way. Oh, for sure. I didn't share half the things that we were doing. Um, <laughs> I, wanted to, I want to tell you something you'll appreciate. When I got engaged to my husband, no, not when I got engaged. I was, that, 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 would be, that would be too much. But when I was dating my husband, I did not tell a soul, not even my parents. But it was to the point that after a couple of dates, I then started leaking. I'm seeing somebody. Sure. And it might, what do you mean? But who yeah. is he? How? What? I'm not saying a word. I'm not yeah. saying a word. I, I tell them I'm not saying. And then I called, I'm getting engaged. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes, and I knew I was going to get engaged from day one. I knew it. But anyway, let's talk about the fact you threw it there. I think it's an important um, thing to delve into the fact that you are the main breadwinner in your household. Um, we like to talk about marriage and money on the show, because as you know, money has yeah. a big impact on our relationship yeah. and our marriage. So yeah. what are, what are some of the challenges that come with mom, you're a mom of four, being also the major breadwinner and some of the key pieces of advice that you have for married women here? Because as we know, men have their ego that we have to navigate. I mean, it's a, it's a delicate situation oftentimes. What can you share about that? I mean, I think there's so many ways to answer the question. I think it's, it's you know, are we looking to answer the question from how does it impact my ability to parent because I have the responsibility of the, you know, of financials. How does it affect our marriage and our just our personal dynamics? How does it affect my brain space and my ability to just personally take care of myself? I think it impacts every single part of your life when you are responsible for keeping the lights on um, and making sure that, you know, the kids are fed. So I think which angle do we want to kind of explore here? You know, in, in what area does it impact? Let's talk about your relationship with your husband. Sure. So I think the first thing is that, and, and every man is so different, but it's them really adopting the mindset that it's not her money, it's our money. 
mm-hmm. um, and understanding that we're a team and we work together. Um, and that means that we work together in all areas, right? So it's it's changing the narrative of mom is in charge of kids and bedtime and dinner time and you know hosting and all of this kind of stuff. Oh, by the way, and she also does all the financial stuff also. But it's recognizing, no, if we're changing dynamics here, right? And if I'm in charge of the financial responsibility, then I need you to carry some of the domestic responsibilities of the household. And Mm -hmm. so we really have to have those conversations around how do we shift what is fair in our home, right? It's not what's fair in someone else's home. And how are we going to create the dynamic around who does what, what is delegated, what do we hire out for um, that someone else can do? And then what are each of us doing and owning? And then the other person is the helper, right? So the person owns it, but then you have a helper, right? So what happens a lot is that women own everything and then their husband helps them. That's mm-hmm. not help, right? I, I I don't need helpers. I need owners, right? So a woman, let's say, is in charge of, let's say, dinner, and then her husband helps with the dishes and helps with cleanup. And it's beautiful. It's amazing when husbands help. It's still the woman's responsibility and it's still on her head. So the, the, the headspace, the energy oh that it takes gosh. to plan the menu and this when kid doesn't like tomatoes. Everything, everything, <laughs> everything. So when I tell Mayor Tuesday nights, you're in charge of dinner, you're in charge of everything from start to finish. You're in charge of choosing what we're going to have for dinner. You're in charge of remembering to take it out of the freezer. You're in charge of making sure there's enough vegetables. You're in charge of taking it out in time, cooking it, setting the table, getting the kids involved in helping you set at the table. You're in charge of managing your time. We eat at 5.30. You can't start cooking dinner at 5.20, right? You're in charge of every single part from start to finish. I walk in like I just walked into a restaurant. That is help. That, like, that's ownership, right? Because now I don't have to think about what my family is eating until I sit down at the dinner table, right? So those are the kinds of conversations that we're having where it's not like, oh, but you're the woman, you should do it. Okay, well, like, how, how does that make sense here? Right. So we have to have those conversations. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I feel like it, it's probably a constant thing until we get to the, to the rhythm, to the right, into the right rhythm and to the and right. Then even when we get into the right rhythm, it changes, right? Something happens in our life and then it disrupts the rhythm. Yeah. So it happens, a, a, you know, something like a kid comes over, someone gets sick, like the rhythm is always changing. And so this is part of a consistent dialogue always it's always part of a conversation it's always mayor's always asking what can i remove from your brain what else can i take off of your brain space what else is going on like what what's the running list that's going on in your head right women wake up in the morning with a list and they go to bed with a list right and so i always say like i don't need more naps mayor i need you to take stuff off my list Mm -hmm. i don't need more self-care time i need you to take responsibilities off my plate that (laughs) is what i need have you been spying on some of my conversations Uh, at home imagine right (laughs) Like, I don't need help. I need you to own these tasks so that I don't have to worry about them. You just tell me, hey, it's done. Great. Right? Like, that's what I need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not another bubble bath. I don't need more jewelry. I don't, I, I need you to own these things. Yeah, yeah. And, and it also speaks to our ability to then completely delegate it, right? Yeah, yeah. In your field, right? As we're training leaders, it's, it, it also applies, right? Like, if you're allowing somebody in your team to own something, let them own it, let mm-hmm. them burn with it and make tons of mistakes with it. And you've got yeah. to just like, yeah. Back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to own it from start to finish. Right. And you have to be the one that comes back to me with the questions, not me to you, right? Exactly. You, you're owning this. 
Exactly, exactly. So, so, so this also ties in very, with a perfect segue to my next question, which was about how you're a systems person, you're super organized. How have you and your husband now over the years mastered this art of actually managing the finances? Yes, you're the major brain breadwinner, but you know, once the money comes in the bank, there's so much that needs to happen, right? There's so yeah. much so yeah. there's more so much communication that needs to happen on top of the com- type of communication you and I just addressed. Um, how do you, how does that take place in your household? Yeah, so we sit down in the summertime, and that's when we really create kind of our annual budget conversation on you know how are we spending money. For us, the year really goes from like Tishrei to Tishrei. Tishrei is a huge financial um, month, both with Yom Tif and tuition, and just finishing to pay for camp. It's like the the money's just hemorrhaging out. Mm-hmm. So um, that's we like to typically have that conversation then. And what I mean by budget, it's really about putting your money to work for you. So it's really sitting down and saying, okay this dollar is going for this thing, right? This amount of money is going for here. Um, and then it's it's the complete transparency around understanding when something is not pre-allocated, right? Then we're having a conversation for, is it in alignment with our values? Is it something that our kids need right now? Is it something that we need right now? Or is this just a nice to have and it's a distraction, mm-hmm. right? So I'll give you a perfect example. Um, my son Mendel is studying for Chidon, which is- The 613 mitzvah. Yes, the the big you. test on the 613 mitzvah yes. of the Rambam. So, so they have to register for that, right? And that costs money. But we already yes. you know, pre-budgeted for that. We knew that the kids wanted to join. I have two kids joining this year. And then Mendel found out that there's also an opportunity where Tuesday nights they can study with like my shliach. There's like a whole extra thing that they could do. Great. So he said, hey, can you know, can I join that? And I was like, sure, let me look into it. So I look into it and I see that it's $200. I'm like, wow, that's a significant amount of money, right? It's not, you know, 20 bucks. So that's, and that's not something that was pre-budgeted in advance, right? It's not something that was decided, okay, we're going to take $200 and allocate it towards X, Y, and Z. And so that's where you're really using your decision-making filter around, okay, this, is this something that is important to our child's growth, confidence, opportunity, you know, what he spent, like, is this important for him, right? Because this is a purchase that we're making on our child, right? So it's a conversation we're having with our son. It's a conversation we're having with each other. And then we're looking at the financials and saying, okay, are we moving money around to make space for this? Are we pulling money from different places? Like, where where is this going right now? And how are we making it work? And does it make sense? Right? Are there other expenses that are coming up right now that we also haven't allocated for um, that we need to make space for? So we ended up deciding we were saying yes to it. We, you know, redesigned the budget and we said yes to it. But I think that's where you have to have consistent conversations, right? There is constantly looking at the spreadsheet, at the budget, mm-hmm. reviewing expenses. You know, what was this? This was a $15 bank fee. Why are we paying this bank fee? I already spoke to the bank about, you know, dismissing that. Okay, I need you to make this phone call. I need you to call up the bank and remove the bank fee, right? It's And it's not looking at that as, oh my God, now I need to call that. No, no, no. That's how we have alignment with our budget. Yeah. $15 sounds very simple, but when it's $15 times 12, that's money that could be allocated towards joy, towards something that makes our family richer, towards something that's more aligned with our values, to stucca, right? As opposed to bank fees. No, thank you. Right. So that's where you have to have those conversations. Yeah. And the conversations need to happen in an intentional way. I They need to be, I feel, um, I don't know how you feel about this, but yeah. for, in my life, they need to be scheduled. We oh, need yeah. to be in the frame of mind. This is what we're doing every Sunday, every Monday, whenever you decide. Yeah. But it can't be as I'm cooking dinner and you're running to a meeting and the other one, it, no. uh, that's a recipe for real disaster. 
hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. So yeah, we review the financials every Sunday. We have bigger conversations once a month where we're more looking at like bigger expenses, like especially if it's a month that has a holiday inside of it. We're like, okay, you know, what are we deciding? What you know, how much money are we spending on Hanukkah gifts this year? How much money are we spending on Shalchmanis? Like, what exactly. like what are we doing? What's the budget? Like, it's really, really having those intentional conversations. It's not about being cheap. It's about being intentional about where every dollar is going because you have other goals that are important. Yeah, yeah, and I'm ma- making sure that. You- your money is really financing those things that are yes. really important in your life that are go, go back to those core values of your family. Reproductive genetic testing before marriage has been a widely accepted practice in our community for decades. And because of this, fewer babies have been born with genetic diseases. The process really works. I've done it, and so will my children one day, please God. But with the advances in modern technology, there's even more we could be doing, and JScreen is here to help. JScreen provides affordable at-home testing and genetic counseling via telehealth. Their testing panel consists of over 200 conditions and was carefully designed with the health of the Jewish community in mind. And did you know that Ashkenazi Jewish men and women face a 1 in 40 risk of carrying mutations in the BRCA1 and BRCA2 genes? This is more than 10 times the risk in the general population. When a person knows they carry one of these mutations before they develop cancer, they can take advantage of available options for medical management and cancer risk reduction. This test saves lives. Whether kids are in your future or you want to know your risk of cancer, take control. Genetic testing saves lives. Go to jscreen.org today and claim $50 off testing with the code JLP50. That's jscreen.org code JLP50. Hey, are you sick and tired of attracting the wrong people, wasting time on dead-end relationships, and wondering how come other areas of your life can be so great while your dating life is so disappointing? Is this the year that you want all that to change? It's time to try a radically new approach. Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results is a definition of insanity, period. Sign up for the free masterclass, the five powerful shifts to quit attracting the wrong men and finally summon your soulmate at meettomary.com forward slash Jewish love masterclass. There you'll learn from Barry Lyman, founder of the Meet to Marry method, endorsed by author and educator Steve Covey as smart, principled, and engaging. Ready for change? Ready to finally find your soulmate? You know you are. Sign up for the free masterclass at meettomary.com forward slash Jewish love masterclass. This might seem like ages ago to you, but there's so much here in your story of transition from teacher to entrepreneur. And I'd like to zoom in on the the financial impetus that drove that bold, challenging transition. What what was the financial backstory? What draw you to draw the line and say, I'm building something of my own, no matter what, no matter how hard it is. And now look at you. What was it that, that, what happened that drove you to say, this is it, I'm building something? I mean, I think there was a few different moments and different moments kind of lead to bigger decisions. I think one was, you know, Mayor was working in a Talmudic college. He worked there for about nine years. 
Um, and it was a good job. You know, it paid well. Um, it came with benefits. Um, we got tuition breaks because of that. Um, and it, it was something that a lot of people in the community were doing. And, you know, it was funding our life until it wasn't. And, mm -hmm. you know, when we started to bump up against like, we can't afford to pay for this. I can't go to visit my, you know, sister over here. We can't fly to this Simcha. Um, I can't, you know, um, I don't know. I wanted to host like an event and it was like, well, we don't have money to rent tables or chairs or a hall or whatever. And all of a sudden the things that were important to us, we couldn't fund, um, because we didn't have the financial means to do it. And I was like, okay, is this what I want? Do I want a consistent life of struggle where I constantly have to say to tell myself no, and there's a constant life of restriction and handouts? Or do I want to be in charge of my own destiny and decide no, I am going to decide how much money I give, I'm going to live and die by my own sword. So I'm going to be the person that's going to say yes, this is what I'm making. Um, and I'm going to work hard. And I'm going to pray that God, you know, continues to be a partner in the growth of our business. Um, and he's going to guide me, but I'm, I'm going to make this leap because I can't be dependent on what someone else decides I should get paid. I want to decide what I get paid. Um, it's very bold. It's very scary. It's very daring to decide you're going to decide what your paycheck is um, when most Americans don't decide what their paycheck is. Right. right. Most Americans come and negotiate a salary, you know, and, and kind of figure something out. So I think I started to really be like, okay, how do I, how am I going to create opportunity? Um, so that's when I went back to school and I was like, okay, I want to get my master's. I want to look at, you know, some, you know, higher learning opportunities. And it really started with me just trying to open some doors um, and not staying in that one place. As you start to open doors, there's a ripple effect that happens by you taking action. It's called, you know, being on the field of play, um, as my mentor Todd Herman likes to call it. And so each interaction where you put yourself out there brings you to a different opportunity. Um, and so as I started to give workshops and trainings and different things like that, I was like, well, what if I turn this into a business? You know, what if this became something that I could actually do? Um, I think when we think about what it means to be an entrepreneur, what it for me, I look at myself much more as a CEO right now. I have a team of seven people. Um, you know, I'm driving the vision and the culture of the company um we have people that are in all parts of our you know operations marketing delivery um we're driving the delivery and you know driving the growth of the company when i think about the opportunities that being a ceo brings but also the tremendous responsibility you know when COVID hit i was responsible to give payroll whether or not money was coming into the business you know i'm responsible to take care of these people who have families um, and so that comes with a tremendous responsibility and also comes with a tremendous privilege. You know, I get to be the person that provides opportunity for all these amazing women. So I think there's so many different ways you can look at it, right? Do we look at it as a yoke of responsibility? I have to pay, do payroll or do we get to look at it as I get to do payroll? I'm the person that runs payroll. I'm the person that has created a space for all of these amazing people to have a job that brings joy and fulfillment and you know financial stability to them so i consider it to be a tremendous privilege to be able to be a person that is in charge of payroll and has created jobs for other people i think there's so much here about us becoming 
maximizing a potential that we didn't even know existed. Right. And, yeah. and, 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 and waking up every day and say, God, use me, I'm available. Like this is scary, but here I'm going to do it. Right. <laughs> I'm going to go get on the stage and speak my yeah. words and see who it yeah. impacts and see what, where that leads me. And, you know, all, all there's so much here and living with that constant trust. Right. Uh, you know, as that famous Hayum Yum says that a business person sees the hand of God so much more than somebody who's not engaged in business. Right. And you and I know it, right. You constantly see the open miracles. Um, So there's so much beauty here in the, in the journey and the entrepreneurial and the business uh, journey. Now let's talk about your business and the impact that COVID has had on it, because I can imagine you being in the field of education leadership, your work has become even more relevant and critical. I hope what was the, what's been the impact that COVID had on your business? Yeah, I think when COVID first hit, it was, you know, definitely a, a huge financial blow. We had a lot of schools um, that closed down a lot. Like there's just a lot going on. And so it was very uncertain for a lot of people. Um, I think the biggest opportunity that COVID really brought to our company was really having the opportunity for us to step back and ask ourselves, what is the business that we want to build? What is the product that we're truly creating here? What is the service that we really want to provide for our clients? Because, you know, there are so many people that do what I do. Um, But I think the bigger question I needed to ask myself was, what is going to be unique about schools of excellence? You know, Mm -hmm. what are people coming here to get that they can't get anywhere else? Um, And what what do I want to be known for? And so it's really about that's when so much of the mission statement was driven around, you know, we're creating a global conversation around what it takes to build and sustain schools of excellence. And when I say global conversation, I mean the global conversation. This isn't just about conversation with here in the States or Canada. This is a global conversation with people from all over bringing in their experience around what is excellence, what does it mean to be in the pursuit of greatness, what does it mean to be self-reflective and disciplined as a leader, and what does it mean to hold space and inspire other people to want to do better. So that has consistently up-leveled myself to be, well, what's next? What is the next training I could provide for my people? Where's the next podcast episode I want to, you know, design? Where where am I pushing these people? Because if I'm not constantly up-leveling, I can't pour into these people. Mm-hmm. So I've really designed a business that consistently keeps me in a position of constantly growing and learning because that's the only way I could provide that value and stay current on exactly the pulse of what my people need in this specific moment. Mm-hmm. I love that you use that word value because it, 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 and and just stay current on what they need, right? Building a yeah. business is about others. What what does the world need from me? And and, yeah. and let me now step up and deliver it, right? Yeah. Um, and th- and then that results in a financial transaction. That's that's where the money yeah. comes. And that yeah. staying focus on the adding the value based on what they need, not what I want. <laughs> always, always, and really believing that the chips will fall where they need to, right? Like I like. You know, whenever I get on a phone call, whether it's a sales call, a coaching call, whatever it is, like for me, it's always about that silent prayer right before, like, God, give me the words that I need to be able to have the impact that I want on these people. And I'm in your hands. Like, so if I'm supposed to make the sale, I will. And if I'm not, then thank you for protecting me from this person. And, you know, it'll come from someone else. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Honey, are you loving Florida? <laughs> we loving are. It's still pool season. We're enjoying it. It's beautiful. Um, so kids are still in the pool every single day. Um, the heat's slowly going away. So soon it'll be winter. It'll be 70s here, which we're excited about. Um, but we're just really grateful for the decision to be able to have a slower pace of life, not yeah. running everywhere at every moment. You know, my kids <laughs> was very interesting. I actually was in um I was driving the kids somewhere and um someone was wasn't didn't see the turn signal so i waited a couple of seconds and then i actually like gently beeped the other person and goldie's like oh tati never beeps and i'm like oh you have forgotten that season of life girl i'm like wow it was hilarious like and then all the kids like chorus with her yeah tati never beeps and i'm like am i the villain here that i beeped someone like what happened here so it was just really funny like really you know just looking at something as simple as the kids don't even remember a time when we used oh to like beep gosh. the driver in front of us four seconds after they went what four seconds a split second for yeah, not that, losing that's the brooklyn for change. you people <laughs> yeah so our kids don't even remember a time like that like they're and this is what a year and two months in like they're like oh he never beeps i'm like i'm so glad that that's not part of your memory anymore you know <laughs> like that's amazing sounds like the move has been good for everybody yes. <laughs> yes, yes, it's been very, very nice. Baruch Hashem, we are very grateful for the continued blessings. And I just, I hope to continue to be able to um, just create the home that we can continue to have those blessings and be able to give um, to others. Amen, amen to that. Let's wrap it up yeah. with J- um, Jewish Money Matters fill in the blanks. And these are very similar to some that you did before. And you're just going to yeah. answer with the first thing that comes to mind. Okay, when I give my sir or tzedakah, um, I'd like to give two. So we like to give to people that need help with groceries. Um, So we'll usually sometimes give to places in Israel or sometimes locally here uh, for people that just need help literally to fill their fridges with food. Mm, So so beautiful. So beautiful. Is there a personal impetus for that? Like it's something I... I think, you know, every once in a while when I open my fridge and it's so full and I open my pantries or mayor comes back from Costco with like, and the entire island is full of food. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I am so lucky. Like, look how much food we have in our house. Um, and I always tell that to the kids, like we are so lucky. How many choices do you want? Green grapes or red grapes or black grapes or this thing? Like we're we're just we're so blessed. So I just I, I don't know. I guess every once in a while I get overcome with it, and I'm like, okay, someone I, I need to fill someone's fridge with food. Yeah, um, yeah. So. We have we have so much abundance. We have we yeah. do have so much. I'd love yeah. to, I'd love to make more money because I want to be able to give more and more charity. Um, there's so many organizations that Mayor and I feel so strongly about that we consistently want to give to. And I think for me, every time I reach a new threshold in our financial thing, I'm like, wow, like, look what 10% of our profit is now. Like, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You know, we talked about your savings muscle. I always say that the foundation of it all is like God is everything is just so brilliant by our creator, right? Just the fact that he set up a system where you have to give 10 percent, we have to set up that discipline of separating my sir and destining it somewhere so that it then gets funneled to who needs it. That's the foundation for everything else. Talk about the conversation we had before about um, funding our goals and our dreams and our values, right? That's exactly how we do it. But it yeah. starts with the giving, right? Once you got that down, then the rest is just doing the same. You're giving to your future self when you, you know, when you do things like that. Exactly. Money, yeah. spiritual or physical? 
spiritual all the way. Yes. Something I splurge on unapologetically is? I don't have anything I really splurge on. Um, I like to, well, the truth is for Yum Tiff, I love buying delicious different kinds of food, like a different kind of salmon or tuna or a different kind of bread or dessert. Like I love adorning the, like, the holiday table with impeccable dessert and food like a like the table truly fit for a king like that is something I definitely I don't look I'm just like no I like this I like this I like this like let's make the table beautiful beautiful for sure honey 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 will spender or saver saver oh yes (laughs) were you always (laughs) a spender I'm the saver I'm always like okay we have to put this aside um was I always a saver um yes um I think even as a teenager even when I just first got a job I've always always been like okay this is the paycheck okay where does this need to go where does this need to go where does this need to go yeah yeah good for you go good yeah. for you i hope it translates yeah. into investing also making that money grow for you yes, too yes 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 yes, <laughs> yes okay yes, good yes. today i'm most grateful for i'm most grateful for my relationship that i'm continuing to build with god i think the more that i take the time to really cultivate like help me trust you help me continue to believe in you like help me continue to see you in every single step of the way i think the more that i can cultivate that relationship, the more peace it brings to myself, the more peace it brings to my home. And so for me, I'm just grateful that I continue to make that a practice because I know how much peace it brings to my life. Beautiful. And finally, I'm Hani Wolchansky. And I believe Jewish money matters because it matters because the Jewish women are the foundation of the home. And we are really what the next generation is about. Our children are looking at us. They're, you know, asking questions on, you know, how, how do we do this in our home? And how do we do this in life? And how do we do this in life? And so they're watching how we spend the money, how we use it, how we save it. And it, it matters because they're the continuity, right? They're the, they're, you know, they're the generation. And so I want our kids to know that we're always giving charity. I want our kids to know that our home is about hosting. It's about giving and money is a tool to do beautiful things. Hani Wolchanski, thank you so much. Thank you for the work that you're continuing to do. You're such an inspiration. I feel so privileged to to call you a friend and tell listeners where they can continue to find you. I know there's a podcast now, which I'm super excited for you about. Yes, definitely go check out the podcast. It's Schools of Excellence. We just celebrated our 50th episode, which is super exciting. So Schools of Excellence podcast, talk about all things in the pursuit of excellence so it's not just for school leaders i talk a lot about just what it means to be in the pursuit of something that's greater than yourself and you can also follow us on social on instagram on facebook and give little snippets of our life and just what we're up to so that's where you can find us thank you so much honey thank you so much for having me Thanks to Connie Wolchansky for stopping by. Always a pleasure to have her on the show and learn from her. You can find Connie at schoolsofexcellence.com. And I suggest you subscribe to Connie's podcast, Schools of Excellence Podcast, where the conversation goes well beyond excellence in education. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to the Apple Podcast Review section and leave a review. One reviewer will be chosen this Friday in our Ask Yael episode and win a 20-minute session with me. We'll be doing that every week. I love having those sessions. You can also submit your questions for the Ask Yael episode via email, yael at jewishlatinprincess.com or send a DM on Instagram at jewishlatinprincess. If you're in Miami, in the Miami area, I want to see you. I will be speaking for WITSO, Florida, Women's International Zionist Organization in Ball Harbor, Florida, next Tuesday, November 9th. If you want to be part of that amazing session on financial empowerment for Jewish women, head over to witsofl.org forward slash women dash empowerment. That's witsofl.org 
org forward slash women dash empowerment. You can always DM me for that registration link or find the link in my Instagram stories or on my feed. Thanks for being here. As always, have a great day.